We're going to talk about developing a leadership pipeline. Okay, some of you are like, okay, good. We're in the right place. We're in the right place. So, uh, honor that you're here. My name is Conan Stevens. I'm the, the pastor of C3 Church. We planted C3 Church here in the east part of Columbus, Pickerington, Ohio. Man, nine and a half years ago. It's crazy. It's crazy. You look back and go, where'd that go? Right, almost a decade ago. A decade ago. Uh, and so it's, it's been an incredible, incredible journey. We had the privilege of churches. Uh, Man, grown and had had opportunity to be a part of uh, helping some churches plant. I'm one of these guys, Joe, right here. Uh, some some churches plant around Columbus, and so got a big vision, big dreams. And here's what I know: nothing can be accomplished right without leaders to help us. Right? We can have incredible vision, but guess what? I by myself can accomplish very little because I only have 24 hours in a day, and I only have so many skills. And I'm missing most of the skills I need to do most of, of what needs to be done. And so uh, and here's what I know. I, there are people a whole lot sharper than me, a whole lot better than me. And if I can rally them around and develop them, then uh, this thing is going to push forward faster. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. For those of you in the back, we do have a couple, couple more seats. Feel free to jump in. And, um, so today, talking about developing a leadership pipeline. Now, let me be real honest. What we've done in the past has got us to where we are. Uh, I'm not, I will say this. So just so you know the context, I, I, I'm not a, usually the pastor that talks numbers. But so we started with about, I'll just here's our story. Started with 20 leaders. Well, most of them weren't even leaders. Some of them were people. Some of them were like, can you, uh, are you breathing? Good, we'll take you. Come on. You know, so planning a church with nothing, moving, you know, to a new area. I'm calling people on the phone. 20 people came together. We met for like three and a half months, and we opened the doors of the church. First Sunday, we have 200 people. But if you know anything about church plant, it's never the first Sunday that counts. It's really the second Sunday when, you know, your parents don't come back or your aunt. They go back to their own church. Your friend's like, dude, we wish you the best. We out. Okay. <laughs> so next week, we have like 70. I'm like, oh, that's good. So church began to grow. Here's what I learned. It was easy when we, easier. It was different when we started out. I've literally had to probably remake my own leadership style probably three or four times. When we started, it was me with 20 people, leaders, doers, going, hey, I need you to do this. And they did it. And it was awesome. And we grew. And we probably grew to the 100, 125, 150-ish. And then all of a sudden we go, oh, we're, we're capping out here. So then I said, okay, here's what has to happen now. Now I need you to work through other people. So like, you're not going to do it anymore. You're going to find these people to help you to do that. And so we worked through leaders who were working then to get the people to do the work. And it was awesome. And the church began to grow. And we probably grew 150, 200, 300, you know, 400. And all of a sudden, we're capping out again. We're like, okay, here's what has to happen. Hey, we need leaders who can work, you know, serve and, and, and lead other leaders who can serve the people. And we've grown again. And here we are now, uh, right around, just right under the 1,000 mark. And we're like, oh, it's a whole new shift. And what do we got to do? Hey, now we, it just more and more levels. And then through that, I've had to remake myself several times, you know, because there's a part of me that's a doer. Listen, I was the first janitor of the church and I was good, right? And I would stay in there till midnight, making sure that floor, when the people walked in like, this floor looks awesome. Yes, because I was down there with my kid's toothbrush, you know, <laughs> he never knew. He didn't use it anyway. So... <laughs> But the truth is, we have to change, right? We have to change. So let me go into this. The truth is this. Our nation will grow by 31 million people by 2020. 31 million people. The, the harsh reality is that less than 4% of churches are, are reproducing themselves, right? They're not growing. Very few are moving forward. In fact, when you look at church in general across the country, we are flatlined or declining. Population is increasing and we are declining. So we're like, man, God, what do we need to do? And let me just say this. You know, I'm all about the message of Jesus Christ is sacred. It never changes. But methods have to change. If the method doesn't change, and some of us hold on to things that we go, well, this is it. This is how we've always done it. This is how I learned in Bible college, or this is what I saw, or this is what I've seen. And so there is a huge need. Uh, and here's what I've, in my study, the average pastor-spouse combo, if everything is going well, you know, very sharp, can lead 111 people. 111 people. So what happens? They're doing it all, and then the 112th person comes in, and they either knock someone off the backside, right? Or, or they go, oh, there's no room for you. 
And so in order for a church to grow, there has to be mind you know, shifts in our thinking. Um, I want to read for you a scripture, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And uh, here's what it says. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. And here's what it says. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So my job as a pastor, your job as a pastor and leader, let me do this. How many, how many lead pastors are in here? Raise your hand just so I get a feel. Okay, okay. How many of you are, uh, hey, you're, a, you're a, a staff member of the church? Yep, okay. How many of you are like key volunteer? You're like, yep, lay person. Awesome. Okay, so uh, all of us are leaders, right? As leaders of the church, right, my job as the pastor is not to do all the work of the ministry. In fact, I challenged my team this the other day. I said, okay, my staff, I brought them in, and I go, our responsibility is to equip God's people for the work of the ministry. If Jesus judged us on that alone, I stand before God, and he goes, okay, let me see, I, put, I gave this to you in my word, son, in Ephesians. How did you do? What would my grade be? A, B, C, D, F. Like, oh, have we equipped the saints to do the work of the ministry? There was a shift in our thinking, you know, even on who we hire, you know, or key people we're looking at. I'm no longer looking for the all-star to put on stage to go, oh, they've got all the tools. I am now looking for a people developer who can rally around all-stars to put them on the stage, right? It was a shift in our thinking, our children's pastor. I'm not finding someone who's amazing on the stage with puppets and clowns and balloons. That's awesome. I'm going to find someone who can lead leaders, develop leaders, and they're going to find those kind of people who can do all that stuff in our church and put them on the stage, right, and allow them to do the work of the ministry. So someday when I stand before God, he's going to go, Conan, how many people did you raise up and develop as leaders? And so, um, again, why is this so important? I think because, you know, we have visions. And many pastors in this room have incredible vision that you cannot accomplish on your own. We need, man, we need people. And I don't know about you, there are people sitting in our pews who are watching us, and they're a whole lot better at the stuff we're doing. I used to think that people hated to do what I hate to do. You know what I hate? I hate details. I am horrible at follow-up. Okay, I'm just... I could stop there. I got a whole list. I could go for days. Okay. A whole lot of things I'm horrible at. And when I'm doing them, I got people in my church like, why don't you let me do that? I could do that 25 times better than you. You know? And they go, well, I better not ask him. I better not. And all this, there's all these people with all these giftings, and they sit in our pews, and they're never allowed to function in their gifting and in their potential. And I, as pastor and leader, have robbed people. I have robbed followers of Jesus and I've robbed some dear saints of work of the ministry because I've held on to it. Now, I wouldn't have said that and that's not my intent, that's not my conscious thought, but that is the truth. And so, you know, my job now is to do less and less hands-on ministry and I go, okay, you know, what are some of the key things that we, I'm going to do forever? You know, one of the things we did when we first started the church, made this huge, like, checkerboard, and we go, okay, before we launch this church, what do we need? And we had come up with like 40 things that the church needs in order to launch. And we put them in each one of those boxes. And I said, okay, who's going to take what? I'm like, uh, all right, I'll be the lead communicator. I'm going to be the lead visionary. I'm going to do some leadership development. I'm going to be the, I was the first worship leader. We were in trouble. I'm going to be this. 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 And I was in like eight boxes. And my goal was, I walked in and said, okay. So I had a handful of sharp leaders that were with me. We all had our names in those boxes, and now we go, now we know what we got to remove. So all of a sudden we'd walk, and I'd found someone to go, hey, man, would you be worship leader? And uh, he said, yeah. So, man, Tim came on. Hey, Tim, great. Put him in that box, and I erased my name out of it. Right now what happens? Oh, so pretty soon this whole thing filled up, and we had a whole lot more leaders that were now, what, in places of leadership. I think our problem is this. I explained it like this, too, that, you know, carrying the weight of a church is very, very heavy. And the larger your church gets, the heavier that it gets. Our job as leaders is to create handles, right? Because people are like, I want to help. How can I help? I'm, man, God's calling me. What can I do, pastor? What can I do, leader? And you're like, bless God. Uh, yeah. And all of a they're going. So they're walking beside us over like, oh, oh, we're getting there. And they're like, I'd love to help, but there's no handle. Give me a handle, pastor, leader, I'll help you. And you're like, I got this. This is my job. This is my role. Breaking my back. But that's okay. Hey, we're good. Sweat pouring off. Looks like you're killing myself. I know I am, but hey, bless God, this is how we do it. Come on. 
right? We got to invest in leaders. So, so we're going we're gonna to talk through this. Um, again, let me just say this real quick. As the leader, here's what I know about myself. I am the greatest limitation. For my church to move forward, the vision God gave me years ago was that we were going to make a dent in the city of Columbus for the name of Jesus. That was going to come through a movement, not just planting a church, but planting multiple churches, raising up disciples who were going to go out in the world and live it. Okay, that's the dream. We're going to plant 100 churches in 20 years. Come on, Jesus, right? There's no way I can ever do that, right? We've got some sharp people on the team, but it, was, it would take God. And someday when God does it, we're going to go, no way he did it, right? Like, let's dream big. But here's what I realized in all of this. I am my greatest limitation. I am the greatest limitation for my church. I am. My insecurities, I got them. My fears, right? All these things, the greatest limitation. And so I got to ask myself, you know, am I willing to give authority away? Am I willing to give leadership away? Am I cool with other people looking at someone else as like, man, that guy was there for me in my, my darkest moment. That guy right there is the one that discipled me, and it's not me. You know what? Am I, I have to be okay with people looking at others, right? And, and in incredible respect, I have to be big enough in myself to be able to do that. And so am I willing to give that away? Or am I the guy that calls all the shots? You know, because I think our issue is in s- seminary or whatever it is, when we're trained, we're like, hey, the leader is the one that has to do it all. And, and that is fine for a season. I did it all for a season. But it goes to the certain place where your church will either grow and it will bury you and kill you. Or you know what? Or you're going to go, oh, i got to learn how to hand this off. I'm going to walk away fried or something has to happen. And so are we delegating, uh, are we delegating that away? And so, or will I allow my fears or insecurities as a leader? Because I'll tell you what, there are people at our, at our church who are sharper than me in certain things. And there are people that can talk better, sing better, dance better. I, I don't know, dance. But, right, they can do those things better, and I have to be cool with that. Right, I have to be cool with that. So let me ask you. I think the first thing we have to start out with is this. Why are you developing leaders? Because there's two different trains of thought. And here's where most of us, and here's where I was for way too long, you know, we develop leaders. Why? Because we don't have enough leaders, right? Like, well, how do you know you need a leader? Well, we burn out the nursery worker, and she's, you know, doesn't come anymore because she was the only one in there for 14 years, bless God, and she, she finally just said, I quit, right? Threw down a diaper and walked out, right? Like... <laughs> So we got to get somebody, you know, so any volunteers, we need somebody. People like, oh, oh, she's at home hating the church and hating God. I ain't going to do that, right? Like, so many of us, are, why do we need to develop leaders? I think the first thing we look at is, well, because we need to fill a spot, right? We need to fill that spot. And so, you know, we work real hard, we work real hard, we find a sucker, a helper, you know, we say, man, come on, we got you, you got this, and here's what you need, and here's the curriculum, and hey, get it. good luck, you got this. And then we're like, I'm good. I'm good, right? Like, I've done my job. And so what happens then, hopefully that person stays a little longer. Uh, But we don't have enough leaders, and so that's one of the reasons. We go, well, we don't have enough. But when we live in that mode only, we live in this yo-yo. We're like, chaos, 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 struggle, struggle. We're doing good, right? We finally found someone. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Oh, we found someone else. We live in this yo-yo mentality, of raising up leaders. I think that the second one is this. So why do we develop leaders? We either from a mindset of we don't have enough and we just, we have to fill that hole. Or secondly, seeing a God-designed potential, right? Like, you know why? You know why we develop leaders? Because number one, Ephesians 4, 12, right? What we just read, God called me to it. He's going to help me accountable for it. Did I develop, you know, did I equip the saints for the work of the ministry? He's going to ask me that. And then, so potential, right? Do, am I allowing... Am I reaching in and pulling out these people's God-given potential? Because I don't know about you. You know, if I play on a team, and I played on a lot of teams, and I still play on teams, and I don't have to be the all-star on the team. I don't have to be the guy that, I don't know, bats clean up or whatever. I don't have to be the all-star shortstop. But here's the thing. I at least want to know I'm adding value to a team. I can be the 10th player on the softball team. They can bat me last. I don't care as long as I'm adding value. If I sit the bench too long, I'm going to be like, Dude, I'm going to go find another team, right? I don't want to sit the bench. I'll go, I'll go to a different level. I'll go to a lower level so that I can star, right? Or I'll go to, maybe not anymore, so I can at least play. I'll go to a lower level so I can at least play. I think when people walk in our church, they're asking this, how can I add value? Leader, I got value. How can I help this church? And so, again, we've got to create these handles. We've got to see potential in people. 
And then, you know, I got to see value in them. And then I believe as leader, I got to feel some responsibility for their development. Because think about it. People are, everyone in this world is searching for their purpose, right? Like, oh, what's my purpose? Well, man, you're, a, you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You're a disciple of Jesus. So let's get you into the work of the ministry, right? Let's let you fulfill some of the calls of God on your life in order to do that. And that's what we're going we're gonna to talk specific here in a little bit. And so I think our issue is we talk about developing leaders. Let's be honest. Our issue is not content. Any one of us in this room right now can jump on Amazon.com and put in Christian leadership. Just put in John Maxwell. Okay, you have more content than any of us know what to do with. So our issue is not content. I can, you can learn anything you want on Amazon.com. Dude, listen, that's where I go to school. I want you to know. Or, I'm sorry, YouTube. I go to YouTube. That's where I go to school. YouTube University. Anything you want to know is on YouTube. How do you do this? I look it up. My wife's like, how'd you fix that? You are amazing. I didn't know you could do plumbing. Yeah, well, you know, I'm in the bathroom like, YouTube, baby, how to fix a faucet. And I'm like, watching it. She's like, how do you know how to do all this stuff? Well, baby, you know. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> don't you dare tell her, okay? That's my secret. But it's not leadership content. The, pro- the problem is this. Here's our problem with leadership development. It's a process. We don't have a process. So that's what we're going to talk about. We don't have a process. You know, our process. Leaders, right? What, what, is, what is our process for developing people? What is our process for leaders? Because I will tell you this. You, and this is what I've experienced. We've hit, we've hit moment. We've hit... You know, church growth, 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 and we hit certain levels, and our leadership development was not up to par, and we would plateau, and if we don't fix it, then we would slide back down. I'll be honest, for the last year and a half, we've been stuck at this certain growth level, and we're like, frustrated. I pulled all my hair out, all of it. I'm like, we got to figure this out, man. We got to figure this out. And so, um, you know, it is. It's figuring out what is the process. Now, let me just say this, and I think one of our problems is this. There is a difference between discipleship and leadership. There's a difference. And, and when we try to put the two together, it gets kind of clunky. So here's what discipleship is. Discipleship is we're trying to build character in people's lives. Leadership is competency. Okay? Discipleship, right? Discipleship is we're going to teach these people how to live for Jesus. Leadership is we're going to teach these people how to lead other people. So they're really two different things. Discipleship is all about them growing themselves, right? Do you know how to feed yourself spiritually? Are you growing in the Word? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? But leadership is, we're going to teach you now how to lead others, right? Discipleship is all about intimacy with God. Man, here's how to pray. Here's how to seek the face of God. Here's, how to, here's what fasting is. Man, here's how to study the Bible, right? Where leadership development is all about influencing others. So here's what I want to, and I'll spend the bulk of my time today on this, five shifts that have to happen in our thinking, and then I'll spend the last few moments talking about kind of where we are going, uh, and I stole this from somebody, so it's not like it's mine, like, man, that's, uh, no, I stole it all from somebody, okay? Um, so five shifts that have to happen in our thinking, okay? The first shift is, is we talked about it, but we have to know why we are developing leaders. Again, Simon Sinek has an incredible, you got to get on YouTube and check it out, the why you know, the why before the what, and amazing, man, it's, it's just it's 30 minutes that will change your life, and you hear how Apple did it, and you're like, oh, we can do that at the church? Okay, but the whole thing is this, we start with why, why before the what, you know, we're really good at going, here's what we're going to do, but people are always asking why, so know why you're developing leaders, why, because it's, it's foundational, like, if you don't get this right, if you're doing it for the wrong reason, you know, we're developing leaders because we're living in chaos, or you know, the last Sunday school teacher left, or are we, are we developing leaders because we're helping them find their purpose, we're helping them pull out, man, the gold that is mined in their lives that God has for them, that fulfilling what all that Jesus has for them, you know, to glorify God. Here's the second shift, and so I'll start taking some time on these. Focusing on attraction, right, here's, I probably could have worded this better, focusing on attraction instead of focusing on development is poor stewardship, so if I focus on attraction, right, attraction being we're going to try to draw a huge crowd rather than developing people, right, that is poor stewardship. In fact, one of the worst things that could happen this week, if you showed up and there was 100 new people that showed up at your church, you'd be like, what? Man, that Synergy Conference really works, right? Like, I just show back up Sunday and 100 new people and 75 of them just gave their life to Jesus. 
that would probably be one of the worst things that could happen at your church this week. You'd go, what? No way, why? Because we're not ready. And ultimately, we would spiritually abort all those babies. Because think about it. Do you have a process for someone to plug into to be discipled? Do you have people willing, mature believers, ready, chomping at the bit to go, I can't wait to walk with them and, man, help them, disciple them, and mature them? Ooh, we've got a very clear, easy, obvious, intentional process. When someone commits their life to Christ, we know exactly where they're going. It's not just a, hey, I'm following Jesus. Because what do we do? People, I'm following Jesus. We're like, awesome. And then we cheer it. Yay. Two people got saved this week, and we champion it. And that dude walks out the door, and he may never return. Right? So it's like... It's not just about attraction. It's about are we developing, right? Are we developing, you know, people? I think, you know, are we developing people to fulfill their purpose? Uh, I think that's the, the problem. Here's what happens many times in our churches. I've seen some guys, some, some churches that go, whoosh, whoosh, you know, they go up, down, up, down. It's almost like they're after attraction. And we can market some, something right or we can bring in, a big name guest speaker or whatever. And I've done all those things. I'm not saying those things are bad. And we've brought people in. We do now. We, uh, and we, this is a whole other topic, but we do, we have a whole process for how we're strategically trying to grow a church. And the first thing we do is like six big invite Sundays. Six big ones we dump. We put money, time, energy, focus, and it'll go like, you know, normal service, boom. And we've only been doing this for probably six months. And it's like, boom, big group of people come. They give their life to Christ. It's an evangelistic message or message series. Everybody's inviting their friends. And then the next message series is discipleship. So we're trying to plug them in. And there's all these on-ramps of like, hey, small groups, man. We want to get you in small groups. So we're trying to usher these people in. And it's like, you know, we see our church, you know, numbers go. Whoosh, and then we're trying to disciple them. Whoosh, and the next one's like. Whoosh, whoosh. So I. Drawing the crowd is fine, but do we have a process in place, you know, to develop them? Because otherwise, it is just poor stewardship if we're just trying to do a flash in the pan. Boom, we had a big Sunday, praise God. You know, we had, we had this or that. What is it tied to? Let's not just think about, you know, a program. Let's think about steps, okay? So here's one, another shift in our thinking. We need to become the eliminator of excuses, right? Become the eliminator of the excuses, now listen, can I just be real honest, like that DC Talk song, I am the king of excuses, right? I've got one for, I got one for every selfish thing I do, right? In the great words of DC Talk, right? You know, I'll be honest, I, one of my, and the Lord had to convict me of this, I am re, I was really good at excuses. Like, and the Lord showed me this, like I could paint an excuse if I, because I guess my button was failure, I didn't want to fail. So when I would fail, I would paint this beautiful picture of why I failed. People would be like, anybody would have failed in your shoes. Man, the odds were so stacked. And I'd be like, yeah, you see? Yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit's like, dude, you need to knock it off. I'm like, I had to repent. It was sin. So I had to repent of my sin. And I think many times we make all kinds of excuses why, uh, why we're not reaching people, why we're not developing people. We're like, well, there's just no leaders in my church. Think about that. At our church, we have a little saying. We say, say that out loud. I have no leaders in my church. Okay, so you've created a culture. <laughs> Ouch. Right? Now, listen, I've done, listen, there's been several things in our culture. I'm like, stink. That points to me. That failure is on me. That lack is on me. In fact, it's a constant thing at my church. Okay, so, you know, but we go, man, and think about what do we want? Do I want the big church down the street? To train leaders and send them over to me? Hey, can you spare a few? Right? Come on, you're running 3,000. Can you spare a few? Like, what do, we, what do we expect? I believe this. Everything we need for the next level, for God to do something incredible in our church, to grow, to see people come to Christ, is sitting right there in the pews. Everything we need for life and godliness, right? Found the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I think he's given us every tool we need to accomplish exactly what he's called us to do. So it's like, Lord, if you've called me to this, then I realize everything I need is here, or I'm missing it somewhere. God, help me to determine, help me to, to find that. But we need to lose the excuses. Um, you know, we make excuses a lot. You know, the truth is, there is no excuse why we're not developing leaders. You know, one thing we do at our staff, one of our code of conduct for our team is, they, you know, don't you dare come with problems. <laughs> and don't you come with excuses don't you dare come, unless you come with at least two to three solutions. 
You know, Pastor, man, this is going on, and we just, we can't, uh, we haven't been able to get kids workers. or Okay, okay, okay. So what's the solution? Well, that's why I'm bringing it to you. Okay, that's why I'm throwing it back to you, right? Like, everything can't stop here. I can't be the one that thinks through everything. I'm going to help you think because you are a leader. And God's given you everything you need, and I'm here to help you, and I'm here to inspire you, and I'm here to challenge you, but what do you think we should do? Uh, well, think about it. For too long, people have come to us, our leaders, we've never developed them because they come with excuses, and then we give them the answer. Or we go, oh, it's okay. And we never call them to grow or develop. So, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to do that. We've got to uh, eliminate the excuses. Fourth shift would be, we need to define, define leadership development. Like, what is the win? What is it going to be for your church? Like, why? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Something we do before we, we have a meeting and somebody always goes, well, what's the win? We should do this event because it's going to be great. And, you know, it's going to do this. What's the win? Uh, does it even tie into what we're doing? That's kind of like sideways energy. We're focused on this. Does this tie into this? Does it hit? Well, no. So defining leadership development. I look at what Jesus did. Jesus modeled it. What did he do? Grab, grab 12 people. Right? Twelve guys. One of them betrayed him. Okay, so I feel a little bit better. One of them was a Judas. Okay? He grabbed them and he spent life on life with them. Jesus, I mean, think about this. He had three years. Three years to go, I'm out. Sending the Holy Spirit, but in person, in the flesh, I'm out. Down the cross, raised to the and it's up to you guys. And so, you know, he modeled it. He modeled it. And then, I mean, look at like Paul and Timothy, right? They modeled it. So I think here's what we need, an intentional process, right? And here's what it does. It's life on life, you know, a a student interacting with a teacher, but not just like this, okay, hey, talking it, and we, okay, that's good, that's good, but no, but life on life. You know, I think that's where the the power is. Andy Stanley told a story one time, and he goes into this high-level judge's office, and all these interns are sitting there on the couch, and he's supposed to meet with this guy, and they, they buzz him in, and this guy's on the phone, his back is turned, he's looking out this window, and there's all his interns there, and he's on this conversation, going, yep, yep, here's what we're going to do, be, 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 asking this guy questions on speakerphone, yep, 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 why, and then he, he, he shuts it off, he turns around, he looks at the interns, and he goes, what do you get from that? What did you just learn from that? And they're like, oh, man, I, I like the way that you questioned that guy on this, and then you helped Developing, but yep, yep. And the way that you did this, man, that was great. And so what are they doing, right? They're dialoguing on what just happened. I think too many, there's a great book out there called Don't, what's it called? Don't Eat Lunch, Don't Eat Alone, okay? Right? We should always be having people with us. I'm starting to do that now. I've got a group of guys in my church. They're like inkling of feeling a little bit called to ministry. And, you know, it'll be my turn in the community to speak at the nursing homes. And I'm like, hey, Brett, what are you doing today? You know, I give him a few days' notice. What are you doing in two days? Huh? I said, do you want you to go with me, man, and you're going to preach. I'll bring my guitar, and we're going to minister together. He's like, right on, pastor, right on. So then he gets up and I'm like, man, we got this guy. He's going to do that. And then afterward, how do you think it went? So we talk, yeah. So what do you feel? Are you feeling connected? Well, that one guy's sleeping over there. Hey, it's a nursing home. That happens. So, you know, that lady was screaming at me until they wheeled her out. Yeah, that's good. You know, man, I think you did great at this. Man, I thought, dude, time frame, you nailed it. I thought, you know, man, it could have been, I, I think you need some more personal stories. I think it got a little dry there for a while. You just reading after the 17th scripture in a row. People like, like, give them some real life application. He's like, oh, what was I doing? Right? I'm developing this guy. And so I think, again, we have to, uh, you know, man, we've got to define what that looks like. The fifth one would be this. Stop focusing on building leaders and start focusing on building a culture of leadership development. So stop building just, hey, I'm going to try to build. Yeah, okay, that's all fine. Stop focusing on building leaders and start focusing on building a culture of leadership development. Okay? Um, I think, you know, think about this. We have to create a culture. You know, it's kind of cool, man. We've, we've been pushing this now and, you know, trying to create a culture in our church of, like, church planting. And so it's funny, man. Like, God's sending us crazy church planters and, you know, we're going to try to plant four churches this year, right? Like, and here's how this happens. Just like guys that come in and there's a, either through relationships or had a great conversation with a guy last week. And, uh, you know, he's like, man, I just really feel like, I really feel like I'm supposed to plant a church, you know. And 
this guy's running a small group, and it's growing and growing and growing. When a small group hits 30, I'm like, hey, <laughs> you ever thought about planting a church, right? If you can get 30 people together, right? You're the, I think you got this. You know, he's like, ah, oh, yeah. So I was sitting, you know, he's telling me some of this. And, uh, but I think creating a culture of that, because here's what I know, right? We want to, it's, you know, Sam Chan says this. He says, culture trumps vision, right? One guy says, hey, you know, culture will eat vision's lunch, okay? How's that work? Because you can have the most incredible vision, and maybe God's giving you a great vision. We're going we're gonna to make an impact on this city. We're going to see whatever percentage of this city change by the power of Jesus Christ. You've got an incredible vision. Man, we're going to empower 100 leaders from our church. We've got these great visions, but the problem is we plant those visions in a soil that can't sustain it. It's almost like taking an acorn that has the potential to grow into this mighty oak tree, and we go to the beach. Push away the sand. <laughs> grow, baby, grow! And then what happens? Maybe a sprout. We're like, yeah! And then it, it ain't going to grow. Why? Because, number one, the soil can't hold it. The soil can't sustain it. So we have got to work on creating culture. And, uh, you know, Sam Chan wrote an incredible book on cracking your church's culture code. I would encourage every leader, you need to read that book. Incredible. Um, but stop focusing, right? So stop focusing on building leaders. Start focusing on building a culture of leadership. And this could be simple. Yours may start out as just one person. You grab one person and you walk with them for a while and you're pouring into them and go, hey, now here's what I want you to do. Who do you think, who do you, who do you see with potential that you're, that you're, you know, that you're leading? Who has potential? Well, you know, Roger over there. You know, Betty over there, they, man, they got, some, they, they got some skills. Why don't you do what I'm doing for you? Why don't you do that with them? Well, what would I do? You know what? Uh, dude, here's a, great, here's a great leadership book. Why don't you just walk? What if you just walked with this and maybe you did a chapter every week and you just opened it up and you pulled some of the stuff out of there and uh, you just begin to, you walk through that. Oh, well, yeah, okay. And I'm going to kind of, I'll share a little bit what some of those conversations look like. Uh, let me do this. So let's just say, here's what that conversation would look like. You go, where do I start? Where do I start to even create this? It has to start somewhere. I would say, what happens if right now you thought in your mind, I want you to think of your church and your context, and I want you to think of one to three people right now in your head that have some potential to lead. Like, man, they've proven themselves, or like, just good character, or you know what? Man, I've given them something before, and they, they seem eager. <laughs> they seem you know, responsible, I think maybe they could take on a little more. Or maybe they've come to you and they go, you know, pastor, leader, what can I do? I really want to serve at the church. Who would some of those people be? And then I would say, what would happen if you set up some meetings with them? Or maybe, you know, you, you called them, they went with you. And, and here's a, let me give you a mentoring, develop, people developing agenda. What would happen if you had this agenda every time? And there's going to be five P's, okay? Five P's. I'll give them to you real quick, and then I'll walk through them individually. The first one is this, personal. Second is process assignments. The third one is plan the next step. The fourth one is problems. And the fifth one is prayer. Okay, personal, process assignments, plan, next step, leader, you know, and then problems, and then prayer. What if, you know, guy, a guy said something the other day, and it hit me in the face. He's like, Next time you have any conversation with anyone in your church, don't just exchange information. Try to bring some life transformation. I'm like, dude, that's... Like, I'm driving home like, that's worth the price of the conference, right? <laughs> like, like, I'm not just going to meet with some, hey, I'm with those buckers, yeah, but it's going to be like, I'm going to do my best to see how can I take this person to the next level in every single conversation I'm at. What if we started there? And I'm not saying I'm the best at this, but I'm saying this is starting to shift the way I'm thinking. And so here's what it looked like. You get together with someone and go, hey, man, so, dude, how's your marriage doing? Let's just, ah, oh, right? We start there, right? Because as leaders, it's not what we can get out of them, okay? If we, that's not the heart of Jesus. It's, I want to see this person become all they can be in Jesus Christ. Man, that's it, right? So, dude, tell me about your, how's your kids doing? How, oh, yeah. So we start personal. We chew the fat for a little bit. Now I'm getting in their world, and, you know, I mean, there's times I may even leave and, me even write some of those things down. So next time I see him, I go, hey, dude, you know, how'd your wife's surgery go? Oh, or how'd your, how'd your grandkids? What? You remember that? Oh, well, thanks, man. So get personal. The second one is this, process assignments. 
So this is, you know, you've given them something and you go, man, how's, dude, how's that Sunday school class going? Let's talk about that. Well, I got this one kid in there. I want to choke him. <laughs> it's my kid. I understand. I, yeah, it's my kid. Okay. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the assignment. Okay. Well, you said that you were going to start a new curriculum. And how's that working? Ah, so now we're doing, we're processing. It could be that. It could be, hey, remember that article I gave you, that podcast I shot you, I wanted you to listen to? That book, we were going through that chapter. So, dude, what did you get out of it? Oh, man, pastor, leader. You know, I, I, man, this, this really spoke to me. Okay, let's, let's dialogue that for a minute. Like, how are you growing, right? So we're, we're processing assignments. The next one is then the plan. Okay, so, man, going from here, what do you think the next step is for you? Ah, oh, man, I think... I'm like, what are you doing for me? I think I need to do this for somebody else. I see this guy with potential in my group. and Well, great, man. So let's, let's get some takeaways. Next time we get together, I'm going to hold you accountable. What do you want me to hold you accountable for? Ah, you know, the, I, well, I need to have a conversation with him. Okay, well, what do you think a conversation should look like? Well, I'm going to ask him to do this. What do you think he'd need? Ah, sometimes I'll lead him. You think he needs a, how about a job description? <laughs> if you're going to ask him to do something, he should probably know what you're going to ask him to do. Yeah, 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 I can put together a job description. Okay, so next time we get together, I'm going to say, how'd that job description go? If you want, you can even shoot it to me. I'll check over it before you meet with them. Maybe you missed something. And then you're going to have that conversation with them, and we're going to meet when? We're going to meet in two weeks. Okay, let's do that. So what have we done? We just set up plan. Uh, and I would say this, plan too. Two great mentoring, right, developing questions that we need to ask all the time with, with people we're leading. Because they'll come to us, and too many times they're like, oh, you are the ancient sage of wisdom, <laughs> you know? And, and they go, oh, man, we've, we, this is where we're at. And you can say, well, what do you think? And what have we done? Because too many times they'll come to us, get the answer, they do that, then they problem, they come to us, they get the answer, then they go back. And we're not teaching them how to think on their own. We're not growing them, we're not discipling them, we're not developing them. So what do you think? I'll tell you what, what decision, if you had to make a decision right now, what, what's your gut saying? Uh, uh, I don't, here's what they say. They say the average CEO of a Fortune 500 company, they say the decisions that he makes, the average fifth grader can make 95% of all the decisions that a Fortune 500 CEO makes. He gets paid for the other 5%, right? Because the other 5% are like, oh, this is a multi-million dollar decision, right? Oh, 1,400 people are going to lose their job, on, right? Like those are the ones that, he pulls his hair out and he gets paid for. So ask him a couple great questions. What do you think? And then the second one is, what would you do? Ah, well, man, I would do that. Why? And then why would you do that? Well, I, I think, I, and we're causing them now to think we are putting them in a place of a leader. They're no longer a follower. They have to be a leader. We're forcing them into that situation. And all of a sudden, they're starting to think like a leader. And then pretty soon, they won't come to you and go, here's the problem. They're going to go, again, they're going to come with solutions. Hey, you know what? Leader, here's what's happening, but man, I think, I really think if we do this or this, I think one of those will work. Dude, I think, I think that's good. And sometimes I go, have you ever thought about this too? Ooh, what about this option? And so all of a sudden now you have two leaders who are dialoguing, right, rather than one leader and one, one complete follower. Because the goal is not to just give them a task and they carry it out. The goal is I want to create a leader who can develop other leaders, Okay. And uh, yeah, come on. I'll just I'll put I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Joe Grubbs on the spot right here. So Joe Grubbs, man, dude comes to our church, and of course he's pastor now of Now Church in Baltimore. He's killing it in the rural community. And uh, so anyone that has the majority of his entire village show up at a church event, like the whole village, 2,400 people show up at his event. It's like, dude, 100%. That's nuts. Like who can say that, right? So Joe comes into our church and. Man, you know, he's done some big things before. God's used him on some, some larger scale. And he comes in and, and he starts, you know, leading people. And he's got, you know, man, our first impressions, which was overseeing quite a few, everything from, you know, the coffee to the parking lot to the greeters to the ushers. I mean, you name it. Like, he's overseeing a whole bunch of people. I remember we had the discussion like, all right, Joe, like, who's going to replace you? Right? Now, that can be scary, right? Like, dude, Joe is the guy. But, like, Joe... We always say this. Suppose you get hit by the milk truck. Okay, that's what we say. Among, we say I think the original, my original staff member said beer truck. I said, we're not going to go there. Okay, we're not going to go. We'll say milk truck. You get hit by the Coke truck, and you don't show up, who takes your place? Because the true, the true test of a leader is when he don't show up. So this Sunday, if Pastor Conan doesn't come in the building, does it function as well or better when I'm not there? That's the true test. 
right? The true test. Amen. Joe did a phenomenal job, raised up some guy to take his place. Now what? Now it's time to plant a church. And so he did, right? And he went, he's multiplying this, doing an incredible job. But the whole thing of Joe became the, one of the, most, the most valuable person on our lay leadership team. Why? Because he could not, he not only oversaw leaders, he could develop other leaders who could develop other leaders. Do when you find people like that, they become the most valuable asset on the team. So, uh, again, so those mentoring agenda, right? Personal, then you go process assignments, plan, a couple of those questions. What do you think? What would you do? And then the, 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 the fourth one is you discuss problems. All right, man, tell me about what are some problems you're running into? Ah, yeah, you know, man, everything's going good except for I can't get this one guy. He ain't getting it. Okay, well, let's talk about that, right? Like, and then you help them walk through that. You chew through that. What can you do? Uh, you know, build a plan, right? Discuss the problems. Okay, so what are you going to do about that? And then the final would be this. Man, you always want to end it with prayer, right? Come on, Jesus, right? We need you in this. And so, man, can we just, the stuff we've talked about, discussed, can we just, let's just bring it. We need, we need God's help. Like to do this, what he's called you to do, let's just pray. And I think as pastors and leaders, we can do that. So that is a mentoring agenda, okay, that I would encourage you. Again, this helps you not just exchange information, but exchange transformation. So if you just, in every conversation you had with people that you were serving over, if you just said personal, process assignments, what's the plan, you know, uh, problems that you're facing, prayer, how just that alone, how would that change the, the, the culture? And then what happens? Because of what you do when I'm, when I'm mentoring someone else, you know what they're going to do? Turn around and do that to the per- people they're leading. And you go, hey, man, are you walking through these five Ps? They know what you're doing, right? Yeah, how's that going? I'm, what are we doing? Replicating ourselves. We're creating handles for more and more people. So, um, so again, let's, let's, let's go here in the last 17 minutes. What is your plan to develop leaders? Okay? And here's, you have not truly developed a leader until that leader has developed another leader. That's right. Like, you're not truly a disciple of Jesus until you've discipled someone else to be a disciple of Jesus. Right? Real, like, what do disciples do? Go into all the world. Right? Preach the Gospels. Make disciples. Disciples reproduce themselves. They make other disciples. You may be following Jesus, but are you true, a true disciple of Jesus? A disciple is someone who did what the discipler did. Right? And so true leaders is not just leading someone. What is it doing? Man, I'm going to help develop someone else who can lead. And so, again, the way we were, you know, think about it. How did you get to where you are? I had one guy say, Ben, I don't even know what to help these people grow. How do you do it? Well, how did you get to where you are? Well, I guess, man, I saw some of this, or I read this, or I did, yeah. Okay, well, do however you got to where you are, give that to somebody else. And so, uh, how do we get there? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk through this is probably what you actually wanted to come for, okay? <laughs> You're like, you've been rambling for 40 minutes. I want to give you, and this isn't mine, this is from a guy named Mac Leak, Mac Lake, Mac Lake. And so if you Google this guy, he, I think he's actually got some of the teaching stuff. We were at a place in our church where we were stuck at this growth barrier for a year and a half. And until we figure this out, and so what I'm telling you today, we are not completely done. We are in process, and we've been about four or five months building this process because if you really do this right, it, it's not a quick fix. It's not a silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. There is no take this pill and leaders are just going to multiply. It's not that. In fact, it is hard work. It's a lot like discipleship. Hard work. And so these are the steps that we are rolling. So first, I think you need to have the same language because if you're like, oh, are you a, you a team leader, you know, I don't know, coordinator, coach, what, you know, like, yeah, there are Sunday school. Where does this fall? Like, where does, and so I want to give you kind of how we roll uh, and kind of where we're rolling. So there has to be the same language. So for us, we said this language is going to be the same. I don't care if it's children's ministry, youth ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, worship team, first impressions. There's going to be same language and same competencies that we need for each one of these levels. So here's how we roll. First level that we have, we're going to call them, uh, we call them, we call, what do we call them? We call them team member. <laughs> Dear Lord. Yeah. All right. So they are a team member. Okay. Team member. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write ours. I'm going to write ours out. Okay. All right. So yeah, team member, right? And then we have 
team leader. You see where we're going here? Okay. Team leader. And then what do we have? We have, uh, you know, we're all about team, right? So we have a coach, team coach. We'll see how tall I am. Okay. Team coach. Uh, what do we do with our other one? So team leader, yep, team coach. And then we went, we have directors. Oops. And then we have church planners. <laughs> no one stays at our church. If they get up here, they leave. They go plant another church. That's your, that was Joe's reward. <laughs> Sucker. No, Joe, hey, go, go, go plant a church. Go plant a church. <laughs> no turning back. Right, so... Team member. So here's what we've done. We said, okay, a team member, what does that look like for us? And again, your language could be whatever you want. So really ours is like, you know, you could say servant leader. Okay, servant leader. But, but we kind of go team member, leader, coach, director. For us, directors are staff members. That's just for us. So they're actually getting a paycheck. That's just a C3, but it doesn't have to be. When we first started off, here's where we only had two layers, and it was the pastor, right? It was me with a whole bunch of team members, and they were doing the work for the masses. And then we're like, ooh, we got to grow. And so now I had to find some leaders, and I was coaching the leaders did, right, who did all the work of the ministry for the people. And then now then we're in a place where we're hiring directors who are overseeing coaches, who oversee leaders, who oversee team members. So now for us, and again, this is not completely implemented. Uh, we've had a lady working on this for a few months, and it's coming together, and we're like, ooh, we're in the first initial place where we're starting to take all of our teams, run them through it to get everybody on the same level. When this thing rolls, though, right? So here's what it is, team member. So someone comes on, and they want to pour coffee. They sign up on the card. Yeah, I want to pour coffee, right? I want to work, you know, I don't know. I want to I park cars outside. I want to... I want to run. Okay, you can do that. That is awesome. And so they're a team member. They're going to jump online. And we have, so in other words, we thought, what do they need to be a team member? And we said, man, so we thought about this. You need to think through what are the criteria for a team leader to have. So we walked through and we're like, man, this person should kind of know, like, they should understand a little bit the DNA of our church. You know, man, they should understand kind of the why behind what we're doing. So here's what we did. Putting together just three, like, and, and R is kind of our DNA. C3 stands for compassion, community, and commitment. Compassion, love like Jesus. Community, live like Jesus. Commitment, lead like Jesus. So we want them to understand that before they're even serving coffee. So for us, it's real simple. They jump online and they watch just three simple videos. Videos are like, a couple minutes apiece. And they understand this, so when they show up for the first day, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm cool. Now, we have these leaders who are over these team members, and they're looking down going, man, they're always looking for new people, like leaders to emerge, right? Because I don't know about you. We've had some, like, C, we've had a couple, like, C-level leaders. C-level leaders being anyone with a C in front of it. C-O-O, C-F-O, C-E-O. See, right? Sharp leaders come in our church, and they're like, Like, ah, you lead a huge company, but there's no place of leadership in our church, right? So on some of these, some of these guys may spot them, and we may pull them up. We'll walk them through the system. They can't. They'll never circumvent it, but we can move them through faster, okay? If we see, like, dude, this guy, he oversees 1,000 employees. Like, he's legit. He loves Jesus, okay? So we walk through, team member. So now for a team member to move to a team leader, we have certain competencies, Okay, competencies, you know, that we have, that we have put together. And I, I don't know if I should give you all of these, but I think because you need to find them for yourself. We actually sat down with our team and strategized for like a couple weeks. And we said, man, you know what, a team leader, team leader should, man, should be able to do a couple things, right? Should be able to, uh, I mean, you name it, like team leader. What should they be? They're going to be overseeing the people doing the work. So they need some like... They need social skills. I don't know, right? They need to be able to do that. They need, man, uh, they need to be able to uh, delegate well, right? They need to be able to do, like, uh, deal with, like, conflict. So now here's what we have. In each one of these, it could be something simple. It could be an article that they're going to read. It could be a podcast we shoot to them they need to listen to. Who does it? This guy. 
It's not the pastor. This guy is taking one of these and he's walking them through these things. He's meeting with them going, hey, let's walk through the five Ps together. So this person is now developing this person. Okay? And once this person goes, hey, this guy here, they've went through all the things that we have decided, right, on what it means to be, to be that. Like, they're there. Then what do they do? Then we say, hey, we got a place for you. We would love to put you over our cafe. Oh. So now what happens? Now I have a coach, right? So now that they're a team leader, these coaches up here, and, you know, coaches, man, I think, I think we did the whole E4, right? They're, these guys, we need them to be equippers, we need them to be empowers. Man, they need to be able to evaluate leadership. You know, we need them to be able to energize these leaders because some of these leaders want to choke some of these team members, right? They're going to talk them off a ledge. So here's what we did. In each one of these, we decided what are the core competencies. And maybe you say, for us, we did. We have four core competencies under each one of these. We just said four. And then when that team member shows and this team leader sees something in them and is walking with them, when they show these four core competencies, they move up to this level, right? And so for us, here's how this kind of works in our context. So this is the person that pours the coffee. They run the cafe. This is the person that oversees, that uh, helps recruit people, that makes sure the coffee pours are good, that makes sure that they're doing everything right. These guys are quality control for this, okay? This is, you know, these are the coffee pours. This is the person over the coffee ministry. They're over the cafe. Then this person is over our first impressions. First impressions oversees like, I don't know, I think now we got like six different areas. So this person, right, is overseeing this person. Hey, how's it going? How's the, how's the cafe going? Awesome. Where are you at, man? Let's, you know, is there any problems? How can we help you? How can I, how can I empower you? How can I, you know, what? So, and when this person is now, these people are walking with these, these people are walking with these, and then directors are now walking with these coaches. So, and here's what we've done. So each one of my, and each one of these looks kind of like this. We call them tables. We have tables. So let's just say, all right, in ours, on ours, I'm going to put my, my wife, she is our executive director, and under her they say no one should have any more than five direct reports. If you have five direct reports, you have six, all of them suffer. No more than five direct reports. So, so here's the thing. So my wife has five, five of these directors, right? So my wife's up here, right? She, she has five of these. So she is pouring into these directors. And then let's say this director, they have a table, and they have five direct reports under them. So my wife's job is to make sure this guy has his five direct reports. Hey, how's that going? And then each one of these have their own table with no more than five direct reports. Does that make a sense? Now, as the church grows, it does look like a giant multi-marketing scheme, okay? <laughs> but the truth is, I can't visit 1,000 people in the hospital. I can't pour into 100 different leaders. But here's what I can do. I, right, can pour into a table of five, who, and then that person has a table of five, and if one of those has a table of five, you can break this all the way down, and all of a sudden now we've created all kinds of handles. So if so, this let's just say this director sits with his coach and says, "Who are your five people? Okay, how are they doing?" The director is coaching the coaches, right? They're leading the coaches. They're directing the coaches. These guys are coaching the leaders. The leaders are leading the team members. So I don't know if I've just thoroughly confused you. If you're like, I'm kind of so. For you, it could be, you could be at a very small church context. And again, for us, it was, when it first started off, we were probably three layers. Okay, it was me, pastor. Okay, and then we had some leaders that were serving who? The congregation. So it was, it was simple, right? And, and my job was what? To pour into them, and then they were going to invest in the people. So you, as the church grows, you just keep adding more and more of these levels. So you can be able to function and be able to what, man? Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So I would encourage you, though, leaving here to get online and go, Mac Lake, okay? He would probably explain it a whole lot better than I did. But uh, we spent time in each one of these. In order to be a team member, you have to even to serve that. What do we need? Well, we don't need much. If we create the bar too high here, you're going to get no one in. I've been to some churches. Bless God, you've got you to be here a year before you can ever serve. I'm like, now, at our church... 
You've got to be there a while before you can lead a group. Where we draw the line is, if someone, the word says, flesh reproduces flesh, spirit reproduces spirit. So, if someone's pouring coffee, there's no spiritual exchange there. If someone is standing up and leading worship, there's a spiritual exchange there. It's a whole different level, right? If they're leading a small group and investing spirits, that's a whole different level. If they're greeting people at the door, I don't care if you walked in this church yesterday. Can you smile? You got it, right? Like, so we say, hey, watch these short videos. You're in. You're in. And then what happens? These guys are going, okay, these competencies. Am I seeing these in any of these team members? Can I help them get to here? And then when they do, oh, boom, they're a team leader. And these guys are going, hey, can I help some of these guys get to here? Can I help some of these guys get to here? Any questions in the last few minutes that you have? I know I've talked quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, my, question, my first question would be, um, so you determine what you want each of those people to know. Mm-hmm. You begin to communicate that. How do you gauge how they're picking up on it? Yep. So it would be, so let's just say this team leader here, it's, you're really trusting whoever this person is here, right, to make sure that when they feel that they are there, they've went through all this, hey, they've read all the books, they did, you know, met with this person several times, and this person goes, dude, I think they could do it. I think they have, you know, or, ooh, I think they need to stay down here a little bit longer. So really, you're just trusting this person. And once they've hit the criteria, they went through those, they, I feel like they, you know, four assignments, and then with several dialogues that they've had, and when this person feels like, I think they could do it, then this person comes up and gives them a role, and this person's still kind of, hey, right now this person's starting to walk with them. So, does that make sense? Yeah. In the back. How do you take the person that thinks they're a coach, but they're really only a leader? Oh. How do you take a person who's at the coach level, but they're really only a leader? Yeah. Good luck with that. No, I'm, um, <laughs> here's the, that's where the prayer comes in. That's and you know what, let's be honest, Here, and it, listen, this is so difficult, especially if your church is moving. There have been certain times where I've seen, oh, example, we had a guy, we were one service, and this, this lead usher, he was a head usher, so really we had him as a team leader. He was a head usher, and he was phenomenal in one service, and we said, hey, we're going to two services, and the wheels came off for this guy, he's like, and he couldn't. Couldn't do it. Like, he was struggling. People were frustrated with him. And I go, hey, hey. So we finally said, hey, we're just going to have you do the first service because you're doing so amazing. He was like, thank you, Pastor. Right? So, and he did, the, he did it amazing. But he, he hit that cap. So you will see people who hit a leadership lid. That's not a bad thing. That just may be who they are. Again, each one of us have a DNA. Each church has a DNA. And so that may be, they may have hit that cap. And sometimes, sometimes I will say this. There are some people who are here. Whatever you allow to go on sets the culture. Whatever you deal with and whatever you don't deal with is speaking loudly. And if you allow, this is tough, tough, tough love here. But if you allow someone who is not a leader to stay in a place so long, the people, everyone in your church is going to question your leadership. And here's how I look at it. It will hinder the body of Christ from moving forward. So as the pastor, I'm like, or the leader, I go, I have to make the tough call. Now, when I go to that person, I'm never going to go, you're done here. I've always got somewhere I'm going to put them to. You know what? I think with your gifting, I think you would be incredible at this. Would you mind taking this? Many times, to my surprise, they're like, I just didn't want to let you down. You know, and they were killing themselves to not let me down. And I'm like, we could have done this six months ago. Like, <laughs> great question though. Great question. Any, any more? I've got time for probably one more question in the back. Correct, yep. So do you have a, a practical side, like uh, a budget that they have for, for conversations, calling mm. panels? Uh, what does that kind of aspect look like for That is good. I would say uh, we, have, we do have a little bit for this level. Uh, we haven't yet for this. In fact, most of their dialogues, most of their dialogues are probably happening on a Sunday morning or maybe through a text message. We use a planning center for all of our stuff, and so for all the scheduling and stuff. So we don't really have that. I do see us probably getting there in the future as that grows. But in our context, multiple services, you know, we even have some people that will uh, grab an office. They'll attend the first service or whatever, jump in office and have some of those discussions. Or sometimes we've done like, uh, we've done a couple of these now where they'll have like a small, their, their small group, 
will be some of those leaders. Like you may even do that model. Like, okay, we're going to do a small group, you know, discipleship thing, and it's going to be the leaders of that, you know, this team leader or this coach is going to meet with all his team leaders. His five team leaders, that's his small group. He's going to pour into them. So it could be an off night, and they're going through a, a, a study together and growing that way. So I think we can be creative. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you get a high level, uh, you get a coach that walks in your door. Um, how do you communicate to them to come through Yeah, that is good. It would probably be sitting down with them and going, hey, you know, we, we would love, you know, first, usually when someone comes in our church and like, I'm ready to serve, we go, hey, man, why don't you just, why don't you just hang for three months? What? I've had people, I'm a, I'm bless God, I'm a, I'm a worship leader, I'm incredible, I have my own CD, you know. Why don't you just sit for three months, right? They get, the, they get the DNA, they get to know where it is. Now, we say, it would probably be then, if, if I saw and go, dude, right now we got a guy in our church who just showed up, he was a pastor of a church of 2,000 people, sitting in our church. He's like, hey man, if you ever need me, <laughs> I'm like, I need you, right? Like, okay, how do, we, how do we move, how do we do that? So it would probably be me sitting with him, and, and, or one of these higher directors, and would kind of, we would put him in, we would have him go through some of the material, kind of get a feel for where he is. Oh, dude, he's got these, yeah, yeah. And then, you know what? So it would be, it would be one of these directors walking with him and then figuring out where he fits. Yeah. It is, discussion. Yep. Life on life. So, guys, thanks for coming. God bless you. Have a great week.